Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. No, thank you for giving your time. So to jump straight into conversation, first thing I want to know is what led you into fashion? I've always been interested and I think I think um, when I was little my sisters used to buy fashion ma magazines and I was I was obsessed with them. So from a very early age I was looking at my older sister's fashion magazines um, and I started collecting them. Um, and I studied art because I didn't, at that time, I didn't really understand that it was possible to have a career in fashion. And it was only um, as I was coming towards the end of my degree um, that I was in the library and I came across a book and I realised it was possible to have a career in fashion. Um, so I just wrote letters to the major department stores in London. I mean, it was as, as simple as that. And then they wrote back and I went for a couple of interviews and that's how it started. So I started off working for House of Fraser um, for a long time um, and really sort of learnt about the industry um, and learnt the ropes. And then I moved on to Harrods and, you know, and that was really exciting. So, so that was my um, routine. One thing I want to take from there, so you mentioned obviously you, you learned that there could be this career in fashion and yeah. that enticed you in. Yeah. And so your initiative there was to write letters to heads of the department. So is this a case of you researched, right, here's some companies I like, yeah. here's the people I need to be connected to, I need to speak to these people, so how can I connect with them, I'll write them a letter. Yeah, but the thing is, like what you've got to remember is that was quite a long time ago, yeah. so the letter writing thing was quite normal then, there was okay. no email, there was no, none of these other... Um, ways of contacting people so it was literally writing to somebody um, and I think at that time I'm not even sure that I had names of heads of department it was just to to whoever it might yeah. concern um, yeah and you know and they wrote back and that's how I got in but back then that was quite normal and it was while I was at House Fraser that email kind of yeah. you know was invented and and um, and we all started using it so it's a very archaic old-fashioned <laughs> kind of so, way of doing things. how many letters were you did you send out then was it only oh, a few and you remember. got or was yeah, it yeah, loads it was, only, it was just it, it i just literally targeted um department stores in central london and i got mm. an offer from harrods but at that time i was thinking oh no i don't really want to be here um but i went to house of fraser because it was a head office environment and i could learn about every single um, role and and back then working for a department store meant that you could buy brands and it also meant that you could learn how to develop products for a label so if you were a bit creative um, which I was it, it meant that you could you, you know you, you were able to carry on being creative within a business environment mm. okay so obviously you had a great amount of time at House Fraser and Harrods and being a buyer, yeah. what from what you took away from that career and what you learned and obviously went on to start businesses yourself, what would you say was more valuable in lessons? Was it the connections you made in your time there or was it the actual information that you learned? What for you has been more valuable since then? Um, I'd say it was both. Mm -hmm. The connections you make are really important, but looking back on it, um, I realise now that um, every single one of those connections was important, not just business connections mm. and connections with people in other businesses, but just 
the friendships you make as well. I mean, every single one of those connections was really, really important. And, you know, I've got friends that are lifelong friends from that time, but also friends that I've kind of done business with since. I mean, all of those connections were really important. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a great way to start. But the other thing I would say um, was at Harrods, when you um, are a buyer at Harrods, it's almost like running a small business unit. So that was great practice for then starting, you know, if you then want to go on and start your own company, it, it's, it's a great foundation, which I don't really think, well, I don't know, maybe you do, but I don't, at the time, I don't think I really would have got that anywhere mm. else. So did you have quite a lot of autonomy around decision-making? So obviously you was there as a buyer, yeah. both at House Fraser and Harrods. Yeah. So was it down to you as such to be like, right, let's start stocking these brands and these companies? Yeah, you definitely, because of the, the culture at Harrods was, was different. Um, and, you know, the people they employ, they give autonomy to. And, um, and it meant that people could do amazing things. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it was much, much... I mean, obviously, there were lots of decisions that were made by um, lots of people, but you really did have autonomy as an individual, and you were able to, to create successful areas and do amazing things. Does the working for big names like Harris and House Fraser, do you think it makes it easier in terms of, I just think they're almost set in, it's kind of like when I think of Harris, it's kind of like what they say goes, like if they're saying this is cool, this is cool. Yeah. So does that kind of, did that make it easier in a sense? Whereas I think compared to like a small local store that maybe it's like independent or hasn't got the same level of branches and that kind of thing would it be harder for them to try and select because they haven't got the fan base or the recognition and the reputation to say this is where you're going to get the it, names you need? When you work for a company like that and you want to um, introduce a new product and you call them up and you say where you're from, hmm. you know, people are pleased to receive the call. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not hard work, you know, you're not there hmm. having to sort of tell people who you are and... Um, lay any kind of foundation it's almost like people people know it and they're happy to hear from you um, and also um, it doesn't matter it, you know you, you can have a long career working with loads of different kinds of stores but if you've worked for Harrods that's the one that everybody wants to know about it's mm. the one that sticks in people's minds so um, it works in many different sorts of situations both you know while you're working for for them and after mm. you know once once it's passed and anywhere in the world i'd say you know you can be and i have been you know working in a factory in bangkok and and then you know you'll, you'll mention harrods and 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 suddenly everybody wants to to know about that you know however mm. long or short a period of time it is um yeah so you had quite a successful run at both House of Fraser and Harrods and you were there for like multiple years. So what is it, what made you stay with them? I suppose each company is different. So it'd be yeah. good to hear both sides and your experience. But what, firstly, what made you stay for those years? But also what was the catalyst for you to say, right, I'm now going to leave? 
Um, I'd always wanted to have my own company, my own brand. That I've always wanted to do that. So that was always in my head anyway. Um, but I think at, at both of those places, I was always happy to... But I mean, I enjoyed working for those companies and I was always learning something. Mm. And it was only when I got to a point where in both um, places where I thought, I've done as much as I can here or I've learned as much as I can here, um, it's time to move on. And, and, and it was as simple as that. I'm really interested because I've heard people talk about that before, especially like other podcasts that I listen to. I've heard people talk about this ability to, if you, whether you're running a company or whether you're employed, but this ability to be there for the purpose of learning and be able to go, right, I've now learned what I need to learn and it's now a good opportunity for me to move on. And how, how did you calculate that for yourself? And was it the fact that other opportunities seemed to start coming up? Or was it more a case of you were just thinking about day to day what you're doing month by month and you're going, actually, I feel like it's now getting quite repetitive and I I know the challenges that I'm going to come up with and I can deal with them. So now I need yeah. something else. Um, I think, well, I mean, yes, I learned so much from those places, but also um, I really enjoyed those positions. And, and so it wasn't just, you know, what can I get from them? Hmm. Um, it was what I could do as well and um, and I really was um, enjoying all of that time and it just got to a stage where I just thought I could carry on like this forever but then there are all these other things I want to do and um, I think you mentioned earlier um, it's one of those things you know that there are things in your life that you want to do and you don't want to get to the end of your life and think I wish I'd have tried doing that it's that yeah it's the classic thing and I really did having known for all those years that I wanted to do something I just didn't want to waste any time and I just wanted to get on get on with it really mm. so of course now you've got clips which is broken into Knockovich Davis and Front Row Repro yeah. and one thing I wanted to ask first was Nokovic Davis, so the handbag selection. Yeah. You do four slots per year where people can buy, is that right? Yeah. That sounds, in my head, that sounds both really clever in the sense of it creates that demand and that interest, intrigue, but also it seems like counterintuitive, a bit like, so there's only four times per year where you're going to get like a lump of revenue. So, what inspired well, that idea? Because. Um, it's thinking about ethical fashion, really. The bags are made to order, mm -hmm. so we're not ever in a situation where we're producing loads and loads of stock and having loads of excess stock lying around. Um, so we only make what people want. If you want something, then we'll make it. Now, we also didn't want to be in a situation where you're shipping things constantly mm. because that isn't good for the environment either so it's better to limit it to four times a year so if you've got a spring collection a summer collection an autumn collection a winter collection there's only really four times a year you need to be buying we don't need to be shopping all the time except i know you know it's 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 a it's a hard habit to get out of um, so that was really the thinking behind it, to sort of minimise all the shipping um, and and just be focusing on 
four drops. It just made everything um, simpler, especially from a made-to-order point of view. If, if you could be making order, um, making to order at the same time for mm. everybody, um, it's much easier. So there you've talked about as a brand, There's it feels like for you there's a huge importance in sustainability being ethical within fashion is that something you've seen i suppose how have you seen the relationship between like being ethical sustainable and the fashion industry and has that changed over the last couple decades and such well what's what's changed for me um really is is i mean it's just like for everybody else there's a realization that actually it can't continue the way it is Mm. So um, with with both of those things, um, it's just trying to look at it um, at a diff- from a different pers- perspective. Um, there is too met too much produced. There just is, and and we shop too much, and it creates so many problems. And the thing that say if we look at front row repro, that's about people creating their own fashion. Um, Before um, fast fashion existed, um, people used to make their own clothes and, you know, at school you were taught how to make clothing, you would have, like, if you were wealthier, you had a dressmaker and you would Mm. would have clothing made for you. Um, And then as fast fashion came into existence, all of that kind of slowly went by the wayside. Um, And... I think um, if you look at sustainability and people consuming more responsibly, I think it's unrealistic to expect people just to stop liking fashion, Mm. give up and that's it, and walk away. But the thing is, I think that you can still carry on loving fashion, just make it yourself. And there are enough garments in the world to upcycle, there are enough garments in the world to repurpose fabric, and you can buy fabric organically that's that's made ethically um, if you want to. So suddenly, fashion and high fashion, it's within the grasp of anybody who wants to make it. Um, so that's the kind of thinking behind it. It's just really, um, observing everything and, and perhaps coming at it at a different angle. Does it feel, how does it feel, because I'm curious, I'm, like, I'm often curious of brands, companies making products within the fashion industry and then as you've alluded, like all this, uh, like the, well, the challenges with fast fashion, especially the environmental implications. And so there are a lot of brands, especially like with, I think now, like with every use, you see more and more people that are really thriving down or really thriving on sustainability and looking at where the materials are sourced from and how environmentally friendly their products can be. Does it feel, because you've just said there, like make stuff. You don't need to buy stuff. Just make it, upcycle, recycle. So does it feel in your mind like you're you're still selling products though because you've got, Nokovich Davis, so you're selling handbags. Yeah. So does it feel kind of a bit like I want people to buy my products, but then on the other hand, I, when someone makes an order, could they have just made a bag, or have they got a bag at home that they could just utilize instead of buying my bag? Do you have that conflict? They could do both. Yeah. And I mean, on Front Row Repro, we've got a little course that teaches someone how to make a very nice handbag. It's <laughs> perfectly possible. Um, yeah, they can do both. I mean, I I think that. Um, 
like I said, it's unrealistic to expect people mm. to stop completely, but definitely there are better ways of doing things. Um, and then also there are ways of, you know, just making things, just mm. doing doing it themselves. So yeah, I, I want them to do both. <laughs> You've you mentioned about obviously as we were talking before we started recording of. Uh, like having these ambitions and drivers and like if you live in existence where you've like you've put your time and effort towards goals that you want to achieve whether they're financial whether they're to do with connections and friendships whether they're to do with business but obviously even if you don't achieve them come to the end of your life and if it if you put the effort in it's like yeah but I committed my time to it and I had great fun even though I didn't get to that specific goal I still I got 90% of the way there and that 90% journey was so much fun or not but for you where where has happiness thrived in your career so you've been at House of Fraser, you've been at Harrods, you've had your own businesses. Where's happiness thrived? Um, I think with with all the people that I've worked with, definitely. But also, um, I'm never happier than when I'm creating product, when I'm making things. I love that. I love that. So it's a combination of the two. Making things with all my colleagues. Mm. <laughs> Those have been um, the greatest times. And, and, and buying... Um, especially um, at House of Fraser where we were developing products ourselves, you know, you, you really were kind of um, creating things and, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, so that's, that's interesting. I thought you'd say, I thought you'd put something in there about having your own business and it being your own venture, but not specifically, but it's, it's more the, the connection. Thing. Yeah. It's the same things and, and, I'd, and I'd say those exact same things are the things I've enjoyed um, mm. in my businesses, making things and the people I've worked with. So on the opposite, where have you found your happiness has been challenged the most through your career? Oh, God. Um, Well, I spent a lot of years hating flying, which was really (laughs) problematic. Um, But I managed to recover um, from that. But, you know, at at one point, I just got into my head that I was scared of flying and because I had to travel so much. I was going to say, you must have been to and fro in all the time. That was quite problematic. But Mm. um, I managed to... You know, I mean, it basically, I was traveling so much with work that I just had to get on with it, basically. And it was either, you know, have a nice time on an aeroplane or just be miserable through the whole flight. So I just had to sort of have a word with myself and, mm. and get through. But that's quite challenging. But even then, you've got the now the great story that you've overcome that fear and you've... Because although it was challenging, yeah, yeah <laughs> but you've overcome it and that's... Yeah. Well, I hope you have. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you... You've got Front Row Repro and Rich Davis all within clips, but then you, you, as we discussed before we started, there's other elements into clips that go in there. So how do you manage... Well, that and we're at, at uni right now. And where you lecture as well. So how do you manage your time between different businesses lecturing? Um, I don't believe in multitasking Mm -hmm. at all. So I block time out that are devoted to just one thing and one thing alone. And um, usually it's a a day at a time where I'm focusing um, on whatever it is I'm working on. And I find that that's the most productive way of um, getting through work and I'll also block time out for emails for administration for that kind of thing 
Um, because I think if you don't do that and you're doing several things at the same time or focusing on several businesses at the same time, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't multitask. Um, I don't, I, you know, that just doesn't work for me. Um, and I find it much easier if I'm just focused on one thing. Okay. What if tasks crossover between your businesses or other endeavors you're in so like where you're saying you don't multitask there so say for example you were working on some content for like socials and such but if the content could work for like say both instagram pages for you are you saying no i'm focusing on one business or are you like no i'm doing a task and if it works for both and if that's brilliant the thing is with everything that i do feeds in every element feeds into they feed into each other so yeah it, so it, it's it's quite easy from that point of view on social media there's lots of content that i'll c- create for one that actually works for mm. other as well um and, oh, and <laughs> um, yeah and um with lecturing i mean i, I, I lecture about what i do so yeah it, like everything feeds into everything mm. else so there isn't um as much kind of um separation as you'd imagine Mm. um and also we sort of talk about the different elements it might kind of seem like a lot but it it all fits together this is really interesting because like my life right now is becoming i suppose a bit like similar to yours where i've got different strings to the bow so i'm i'm creating this podcast but i'm back into art so i'm trying to work as an artist but then i've got a hobby of skateboarding where all of these things take up a lot of time and i want to Ideally, I want to be able to devote like all my waking time to all of them. I'm really yeah. passionate. I love yeah. them all, but I've still got to do my business as well. That means I've got to like make a living, and so I have a bit of a conflict there with managing my time. And yeah. so, like you've said there about focusing on one thing. So yeah, I can when I've tried like multitasking on things. So I often find one thing that frustrates me more than anything is when I'm like, right, I'm going to do this task, yeah. but then in order to do the task, you realise, oh, I've got to do a different little task off the back of it. Yeah. I don't know, like I've got to go online and do something, and I go to go on my account, and it's like, what's the password? Oh, I don't know. I've got to retrieve that. Oh, I've got to go and do something, and you just end up in a spiral of tasks. But one thing I find, I don't know, I'm curious how if you've had this. And if you have, how you've overcome it, because I'm trying to work out how to overcome it. Where I have got different things that I do is if I spend a lot of time doing one thing. So like, say I go out filming skateboarding for the day. I've got some footage. Brilliant. That's been a productive day. I come back and I'm like, all my art stuff is where I've like, is in the same position it was like a couple of days ago because I haven't done anything for art. And I'm thinking, I've really been slacking there. But then when I, when like skateboarder Hayden, is thinking he's going well we've done loads of filming it's brilliant we're progressing but then Hayden the artist is going you've really slacked the last couple of days you've done nothing what have you been doing you've been procrastinating did you have that have you had that kind of inner dialogue where you're where you are doing different things um yes but um and, and I've and I've actually um read quite a few books um you know from business mentors there are podcasts out there you can get this kind of information from mm. anywhere where they talk about um, how they manage their time. When you listen to some of these people, they've got far more going on than, say, mm. I have or lots of other people I speak to, yet they still manage to get everything done. And um, one thing um, that I picked up from one of those is if you're focusing on something and then you decide to switch to something completely different, the amount of energy that it takes mm. to move into the next thing is actually not 
it doesn't help you. So I kind of think if I'm doing something where I'm, say, writing a blog or I'm writing content for social media or lecture, I'll try and do all the writing things together all at once. So once you kind of got into the flow, you can easily carry on and you can be very productive. Um, and then on a, on a different day, I'll do some a different kind of task and I kind of manage it like that. But um, when you listen to business podcasts and they talk about time management, you actually realise that there are a lot more, far more successful people out there um, that, than me who are managing to do a lot more. Um, and then you kind of think, oh, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And it's, yeah, as you said there, like I've spent a lot of time listening to different podcasts. And it's, one thing that's interesting is hearing people that you look up to that seem to be the busiest people that have got all these different projects and then they go on about how much they can procrastinate and how much they can be quite lazy at times which is something that when I was very focused on my own business and growing and having staff and trying to expand as quickly as possible is the idea of stopping and slowing down and having like rest time to actually rest I couldn't could not cope with that and I still have this battle in my mind now where I have a lot more recreation time and a lot more rest and sometimes I find that because I do have different hobbies as such and businesses going on is that a lot of times they complement each other because they're using completely different parts of the body and the mind so like while one aspect of my life could be really analytical and really have to use a lot of brain power but then another part and like skateboarding for example I don't really have to use my brain I just have to go out have fun roll around I'm using my body I'm letting off steam if there's a lot of like I've been stressed out and focused on a lot of analytical things it's like I can go skate and by doing something that's productive I'm I'm resting my brain while still doing something that's fun and ticking a box of being productive but I do find I've got better I'm curious how what your relationship's been like with this because I think every person that's been in business struggles with it is the ability to like sit down and rest and just not feel guilt I like I've had it so many times where I feel guilty if I sit and down and like watch a movie or something or if I'm even got to a point in my business where if I went to hang out with my friends or my family I would be in that moment going I'm not I'm not responding to those emails I'm not working on my business I need to be growing my business why am I here so I'm curious what your relationship's been like have you had that as well because I'm always it's always nice to hear someone go yes I've had that too yeah but, but you know all of these things like everybody faces those challenges and even when you listen um like I said to you know really really successful people they come across those challenges as well I mean I definitely have that but then you have to then you have to go back to why it is you went into business in the first mm. place and it wasn't so that you couldn't see your family and friends ever again you know yeah. it wasn't the reason you know so it, it you know you have got to find that balance and it, and it is a case of you know you want to get the most out of your life and so um you have to timetable those things mm. as well and and allow for those things or else you know that that's not going to work either but um it's very easy to look at people you know business mentors or really really successful people and think that they never um have those issues but they do Mm. they do and and um and that kind of makes you feel a bit better and you kind of um push through yeah that's something like definitely with podcasting that I've learned and I've really been grateful of the opportunity of is that as you said 
like all these people you can look up to and by having conversations with people that have done incredible things and had incredible careers like yourself is is nice and refreshing to be able to sit down and realize everybody's human like we all have all kind of have like these different challenges mentally physically emotionally and it's really refreshing to be able to no matter what someone's done what their circumstances is there's always that relatability and that's what podcasting allows i will jump onto the final questions that i have as a closing tradition on this podcast so first one is what is something that exists within the world today that you hope will one day be eradicated? Oh, gosh. I always enjoy asking this question. Climate change. Uh, I want the climate change situation to be, to be fixed. Mm. That's the biggest thing. And like we're sitting here today and we're sweltering and it's been really uncomfortable in a heat wave. It's very hot. I just um, would like it to get to net zero. Are you optimistic for that or are you nervous? And um, I, I think it will happen because it has to. Well, yeah, the alternative is a bit bleak. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, I think we, we've, we've all got to do our bit. Mm governments especially but yeah. I think that's that's the one thing um, I think that matters more than anything good answer no I like that answer that's, pro <laughs> that's probably the answer I would give so Yurenka the last question I have is what is a benevolent piece of news or information you would like to share with our listeners for closing it could be something that's going on in your own life that's happened that's recently great it's, it could be something you've learned within the fashion industry it could be something you just read this morning you thought you know what that's great. I'm going to share that today. Um, oh God, that's a tricky question. Um, I can't. I can't think of any. I can't think of anything. The only thing I, I mean, I really wanted to share. Mm -hmm. well, I don't. Know, I don't even know whether I. I it, it's just the, a, a wonderful thing. I think for most people, or for lots of people. It's just the ability to make stuff. And um, a lot of the joy I've had um, in life, business especially, has just been creating things and being creative. Um, and I'd, I just sort of, um, it's not something I'd want to share, but it's just something that I'd want more people to get into, um, to promote more joy for themselves and for everybody else. Oh, that's get really creative. cool. Yeah. So get creative and make stuff. Yes. <laughs> brilliant i think that's a great closing now that if you're listening to this go make listen to an old episode of the of, of benevolent business while you sit and make something yeah. and have a wonderful Whatever peaceful afternoon perfect thank you so much ivanka it's no, been absolutely you. amazing <laughs>